some of the things I would read and see said and hear hear the hear the fans say and things like that about O'Shea, I was like, you you have no idea what you're talking about. Like you don't like you're saying things like I would even put him in the top three head coaches all the time. He hands down bar none is the smartest person I've ever talked to about football. The Country 107 Morning Show with Dave Anthony. Very happy to be joined as we are each and every week with soon-to-be number one Winnipeg influencer, John Rush, former Blue Bomber and Grey Cup champ. John, thanks for doing this today. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on, Dave. I always uh, I always appreciate being here and being able to talk football. Follow him on Twitter at JohnRush32 and on Instagram at JohnRush5. And i got to ask, before we get into the football, John, is your day mostly consumed with A, staring at your dogs, and then B, responding to stuff or liking things on Twitter? Because you're awfully popular, and, and you do like or, or interact with as many people as you can. That, that's got to take up a fair amount of your time, no? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I get that a lot, actually. And um, I've kind of got it down to, to a little bit of a science now uh, where I, like, I have breaks throughout my day where I can, where I just hop on and, and kind of scroll through and, and answer as many people as I can uh, because there, yeah, there's a lot and, you know, I don't get to everybody and, and that's, you know, I, it, it irks me, especially as I kind of like grow, get more followers and stuff like that. It irks me not being able to answer everybody, but there's, sometimes there's just so many. I'm just like, Oh, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's great. You know what? It's funny. You probably feel like uh, Cody Fajardo did where there's just too many things coming at you all at once, except, you know, yours are tweets and, and random DMS. Fajardo had grown men running at him at full speed and, he just couldn't take the pressure, and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers dismantled the Rough Riders 33-9 to and did uh, did it pretty flawlessly. Just overall, what did you think of that game? You know what? Watching it, and I watched it live, I went to the Vanderbilt, and I had, you know, I had a really good time, and it was just a really fun game to watch. <laughs> it was just, uh, you don't, you know, I've been playing football 17 years, and there's not too many times in my career where I've been a part of or watched a game where everything kind of just goes right for you. They're like, they were just, you know, they were doing all the right things and they were just in all the right places. It was just, it was just a lot of fun to watch. All right, let's break this game down a little bit. There's a lot of positives. There are a few negatives to take away, but uh, let's get into the positive side of things. We talked about Zach Caleros, and we talked about maybe him being a little underrated. We talked uh, the importance of caught balls versus drop balls. It seems like the receivers and Caleros were were really in stride almost from the get-go. Uh, what did you like about the offense, and, and maybe what are your takeaways from, from, that, from their performance? You know what? It's Every week, it just kind of it's getting better and better uh, to watch this offense. They're just they're firing on all cylinders. You know, having Harris back is a, is a huge, huge bonus for the for the, their offense. You know, when when a defense and you know I always talk about this when I played linebacker. Um, people would always be like, "Oh, you know, you're 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 such a good linebacker," and I'm like, "I'm like I'm not that good." The offense just has to account for so many other people around me that are good that I just, like, they just leave me alone, and then I get to make the tackle. So, like, so when you have a guy like Andrew Harris in the backfield where the, where the defense has to account for, like, you can't not account for Andrew Harris with at least two guys, it opens it up for so many other people. And, like, you know, that's exactly what we're kind of seeing, right, it, is, you know, a lot of focus is being put on, you know, 
now that Andrew's back and it's just, you know, we have so many weapons like we've talked about before that it's, it's, a, it's a struggle. Defenses are, are struggling. And, you know, I, I kind of feel for them as a defensive player, but I love to see it as a Winnipeg Blue Water fan. And again, uh, you know, with, with Harris leading the way, he had 80 yards on the ground. Caleros was 18 of 22, but I thought he really spread the ball around as well. He didn't hyper-focus on one or two guys. I thought he moved it around, and when, when the offense is playing a shell game like that, it makes it almost impossible for defenses to, to contain that long-term or, or over the course of a game, right? No, oh, exactly, right? Your, your, uh, your defensive scheme is going to, and you know, your play calling and your strategy, most of the time you're going to gear it towards their threats. So if you have a really good, you know, boundary duo, you're going to put, you know, three defenders kind of to box them in. So it would be a three on two, right? But the thing is, when you have so many, so many threats on that field, you can't get that. You can't, you can't get a three on two situation because you're just gonna you're, then you're you're opening up the other side for you know for a mismatch there or you're gonna not have enough guys there. So it it's very difficult for these defenses to game plan uh, and get you know get an overload on one side because of how many threats we have. Now uh, the the, uh, the I always say that the defense can kind of keep a team in a game, which which it can it can it can get by time for the offense to get going. But something the offense can do is put points on the board to force the other offense into taking gambles. And when you want to start rolling the dice against the Winnipeg defense, you're in real trouble. Rough Riders had to because they needed to try and claw their way back into this game. But boy, that defense is just smothering. Willie Jefferson, big game. Uh, Jackson Jeffcoat, Adam Bighill. But the the defense, it just it took over, and and it's just so so much fun to watch, isn't it? Oh, it, it you know especially for me as a defensive guy, and and you know when I played at Guelph, we had the top three defense in the country three years in a row. Like I love that. <laughs> I love seeing that. That is you know that's my bread and butter. You know people are like, oh, it's boring. It's boring. no, it's not. Absolutely not. It's it is so much fun to watch a defense just absolutely break the will of another grown like man it is it is absolutely it's a beautiful thing to watch you know and um and that's exactly what you know the blue bombers defense did they're 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 just so good and then like you said it really forces them into those tricky situations where you almost have to abandon your game plan because you need to get something going right so you know when the offense is putting up all those points then you know their the opposing team's offense is like okay, like we got to get something going here quick. So then it throws them into these precarious positions. It throws them off their game. They're, you know, they're making more mistakes then. And, and then it just kind of like this compound effect where uh, they can't get anything going, right? And it's, you know, it, like I said, it's just, it really is a beautiful thing to watch. John, um, I, I, I think I'll know your answer to this, but I want to get in depth. Uh, Mike O'Shea. I'm going to say, and this may be a bit of a hot take, he's not just the best coach in the CFL right now. He might be one of the top 10 coaches all time. Is that a hot take, or do you think that he is that good of a head coach, and not just this year, but overall what he's been able to do with this Bomber team? You know what? It's it's always interesting to me to see the contrast between um, the fans and the players. Because... Uh, you know, when I, I played, you know, I played four years. And 
some of the things I would read and see said and hear hear the hear the fans say and things like that about O'Shea, I was just like, you you have no idea what you're talking about. Like you don't like you're saying things like, it, and to your point, a hundred percent. I w- I would even put him in the top three head coaches all the time. He hands down, bar none, is the smartest person I've ever talked to about football. He sees the game in a completely different aspect than I've ever, you know, I've ever heard anybody talk about it. When, you know, there were times when he would, he would just turn to me and look and he'd be like, why would you put your hands upwards if you turn them the other way? You're going to win that battle every time. And then I kind of just like looked at him and I'm like, oh, what? That, oh oh my, like, that's something no one has ever said to me. It was something so, like, minute. And then I went out and did it and won the battle. <laughs> and I'm like, how, would, like, how have I been playing football for 17 years and not a single coach ever tell me that? Like, he just sees the game. He just, he just sees it differently. And, it, it, like I said, he's so intelligent when he, when he looks at this stuff. Like, I've never, yeah, I, it's top three, hands down, best coaches of all time. And you know what? Such an uh, approachable uh, guy as well. I've seen him at hockey games. Like he loves going out and supporting other, uh, you know, community teams and other sports around Winnipeg. Uh, the guy's really approachable, and, and always has time for a picture with a kid or or have have a quick second to chat with a bomber fan. Just a a really good human being. No, exactly. You know, and and that's like that's kind of one of the things that so many of the guys and players love. You know, it's one thing to be. You know, you can be you can be an X's and O's guy all you want. You can be a technique guy all you want, but if you don't actually care about the players, the players aren't re- going to really care. No one's really going to listen, right? It, and that's the thing with Osh is he actually he actually cares. He's involved. You know, when when uh, you know when I adopted my dogs and things like that, he like he would check in on them, see how they were doing, and and you know he's involved in the players' lives and he understands what it means to be there for guys, which is, you know, it just adds to, you know, his ability, right? Like I said, you can be an X's and O's guys all you want, but no, no player is going to really care or listen to you if you don't, you know, if you don't invest in them too. Yeah, there is a human element. And, you know, being a former player and a, st- and, and a stud player like he was, I wonder if, if that really helps him, you know, be able to relate to guys because he's been in the trenches, he's been in those wars, and he knows what it takes to win. And guys respect that, right? Well, yeah, exactly, right? You know, it, it, you know, being with someone and, and seeing someone that's done it, that's been through it, you, that understands it, it makes a huge difference than, you know, a coach that, that hasn't, especially, you know, especially when it comes to training camp and things like that. You know, if you have a coach that's never been through a pro training camp and he's just running you into the ground, it, it wears on you, right? But then when you have a coach like O'Shea, who has a method behind the madness and is, and is able to explain it to you, but is also you know taking care of your, you and your body at the same time because he understands and he's been through it. You know it 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 makes a huge difference, especially for the like the morale around the locker room. All right, let's talk a little bit more um, about this banjo bowl recap, and and then we got to get into a little bit of the negative side. We got a bomber hero coming up in just a little bit as well. And I think we both have the same hero in mind, so I'm excited to see if your thought processes are along mine. 
Uh, since we've started doing this, John, I've focused on three major areas because, you know, you've put a lot of emphasis on them. Uh, possession, penalties, and turnovers. Uh, while the possession was close in the Banjo Bowl, you know, just over 30 minutes for Winnipeg, uh, just uh, under 29 and a half for Saskatchewan, penalties were really, really big. Uh, 16 for 143. That's what the Saskatchewan Rough Riders got called for. Uh, Winnipeg only 7 for 82. Let's get to the fight, though. I think a lot of people want to talk a little bit about that. Have you ever seen, you know, something like? I'm sure you've been a. I've seen it. Have you ever been a part of something like that where things have gone beyond just taunting or pushing and shoving and escalated to that point before? Uh, I I don't know. If, I don't know if I've ever. I certainly haven't been involved in one that large. Uh, that was a pretty sizable uh, <laughs> a little brawl on the field there, but. Uh, no, I haven't. I haven't really been involved in one that big. I'd, I've seen it happen. Uh, you know, some guys kind of lose it, um, and it's uh, you know, it, it's always kind of, it's always, especially in a sport where it's a contact sport like football. It's it's always kind of like, guys, just you just go hit them the next play. It's like you're you're allowed to. You're it's football. <laughs> you're literally allowed to go hit them. Like it's it, so it, it it always perplexed me a little bit. Um, but that was always one of the frustrating things about playing Saskatchewan is especially, you know, especially when, you know, I was playing, like Chris Jones was the head coach. They were, they were consistently uh, they, the most undisciplined team in the CFL. And, you know, you had, you like, they, there were literally guys on the field, like trying to fight you. And, and it's just like, man, I like, this is my job. I don't like, I'm not trying to fight you right now like this (laughs) no like i'm just trying to play football if you don't like getting blocked don't get blocked i don't i I don't know what to tell you um so it was you know it was that certainly was uh you know the largest brawl i've ever seen and i was i was actually kind of surprised with how many uh of the blue bar players were kind of uh involved in it as well but at the same time you know like i understand it because the the saskatchewan players they just they just don't shut up. They and like they they're just tr- constantly trying to get you to fight them, and it 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 really takes away from the sport of football because it it just makes no sense. It's just like man, like no one's trying to p- fight you. It's football. It's literally this is literally the game. If you don't like it, don't play football. I know that Saskatchewan uh, they got a couple guys tossed out. Were you surprised Andrew Harris did not based on what he did? And can me can you maybe explain why what you saw didn't warrant an object or uh, an ejection for Andrew Harris? I have thoughts on it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's you know usually and especially like when I played hockey, this was always something they would talk about. Is you know the second guy always uh, gets ejected. Yeah. You know it's like oh it's always the guy that retaliates. It's never the guy that starts it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm kind of I'm kind of happy to see that it wasn't like that uh, because generally that is how it works, right? You know, somebody starts it, but then you finish it, and then you get kicked out, um, which I don't think's right. You know, if you want to pick a fight and then you know you get <laughs> you know you get tossed around, that's your own fault. <laughs> like, <laughs> sucks to suck, buddy. Like, don't pick a fight. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, it did it did get pretty heated there. So uh, <clears throat> I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent sure why they didn't, um, but I'm you know I'm I'm pretty sure the the refs' um, line of thinking was, you know, well this these like Saskatchewan started the fight, yeah, you know, it, like they egged them on, they pushed them, you know, they were they were they were starting this fight, so you know 
the onus is on them. Uh, and I think they, the refs also kind of knew that, you know, ejecting Andrew Harris from the game probably wouldn't have ended well for them. So I think that maybe came into effect a little bit, especially yeah. considering it was the Banjo Bowl. So, um, you know, I think there was a little bit of a bias there. But like I said, at the same time, you know, like Saskatchewan did start the fight. So <laughs> if, like, if you don't want to get tossed around, don't start a fight. Yeah, and the way that I had it explained to me by somebody uh, who, whose football opinion I respect is, uh, Harris, he got a 15-yard major or a 15-yard penalty for face masking because you see him grab the face mask pretty clearly, and then it then it goes into the big melee. But I think you may be right. I wonder if this game is in Saskatchewan if the ejections are reversed. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, exactly. That's kind of like where I'm like, yeah, I I could kind of maybe see there was a bit of a bias there. But <laughs> am I complaining? No. Uh, you know, it, it's it's. We're, we're all humans. Uh, you know, everyone always gets on the referees and things like that. We're all humans. We all have biases. And if you don't think you have a bias, then you probably have a bigger bias than most. <laughs> so, yeah, and I've, uh, and like, I've never had 30,000 screaming maniacs, you know, turn on exactly. me in a dime. So <laughs> exactly. Right. So it, you know, it's, you know, it's just kind of, it's just kind of part of the game sometimes. And it is what it is at this point. Uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes the ruling's in your favor. Sometimes it's not. And, you know, Winnipeg's been, part of plenty of rulings that were not in our favor that that should have been so it's you know it all kind of evens out in the end yeah that's that's very well put uh one more thing i want to take out of this banjo bowl and then we'll tee up what's going to happen this weekend versus edmonton uh john the kicking man the, the kicking kick. oh boy like it's it's so reverse it's it's the polar opposite of medlock at this point where there's very little confidence in the kicking what has to be done and, and is it something the kid can fix himself or do they need to go out and fix it for the team yeah no i uh you know i was actually texting thomas miles during the game about it and things like that too and you know it's 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 unfortunate to see because you never want to you never want to see that for a kid you know like that's that sucks you know he's already in a tough situation replacing medlock you know like like no one was ever going to be happy with this kid replacing Medlock. Yeah. It's just like um, unless unless he just all of a sudden came in lights out, which the likelihood of that happening was you know basically negative. Um, no one was ever going to be happy with it. So he was already in a really tough situation, and then uh, and then it, he's he's all he's obviously been struggling a bit too. So you know you you, you got to feel for the kid. It, it sucks. It sucks. It's not a good situation to be in, and you know it's. It's tough. Luckily, you know, luckily we do have, you know, a head coach and, you know, O'Shea, who is very special teams minded uh, and Boo, who, uh, sorry, Boudreaux, we call him Boo, and who is, you know, is a very good special teams coach as well. So I'm sure they, they have a plan for him and they're, they're working on him and they're, they're kind of helping him get up to speed here. Uh, but, you know, I, you know, I saw they, they brought in another kid as well, um, which, I think at this point is is the right choice because especially in the Canadian football game, you know, the CFL is it's very dependent on, you know, obviously the offense, but the, you know, the second biggest thing is special teams, punting and, you know, kicking and field goals. It's liter- it literally wins games. So, uh, you know, so I you know, I, I saw they bring in some brought in someone else and I think it's the right choice. They're going to I'm sure they have a plan to help this this kid develop and 
and get better over the over the next couple months. But yeah, they they had to they had to you know make a decision there for sure. Yeah, they it, they owe it to the team, right? Like like mm-hmm. that's got to be the mindset. It's got to be for the greater fifty three man roster, whatever it is that uh, exactly. that you give them a chance to win. What is the kicker's relationship? with the rest of the team is he considered one of the guys is he more of an outsider and how do guys maybe deal with you know missed field goals or or you know missed points yeah no it's actually interesting and, and you know i i've heard it explained a lot where uh uh kickers are usually you know you know you know in hockey where the goalies are kind of like the the weirdos and <laughs> they're kind of like in their a league of their own um and it, I've, I've heard a lot of uh people say that about kickers too and and generally, for the most part, it it is kind of true. They they kind of kickers are very interesting because they're so hyper focused on one thing, whereas there's no other position in on the team that's like that, right? Even you know, even the quarterbacks are in all of the offensive meetings and and you know things like and they're in the they're in the you know the day after meetings with all the penalties and stuff like that. Hey, every other position is you know, involved in so many other things, whereas kicking is just literally kicking. Uh, so they're kind of like on their own schedule. They they don't attend all, like why would a kicker go to a defensive or offensive meeting, right? You know, it, it, so they're, they kind of are in a league of their own. Uh, but that's one of the things that the, the Blue Bombers do exceedingly well is uh, making sure that everyone is a kind of a part of the team and they kind of assimilate into one family because, um we understand, you know, it's a long season, especially for a lot of these people. There are way, like, you know, how many people on a team are from Winnipeg? None, right? Yeah. There's, there's, there's three or four. So most of them are away from their friends or family. It's very lonely. So they, the, the Blue Mommers as an organization do an exceedingly well job of making sure everyone kind of does get together and, and make sure they, you know, they are a part of the team together because uh, it, is, it can be extremely lonely, especially for a kicker. That's really well put, John. Uh, before we tee up the uh, the game and we get into what your dogs are up to and and, and what yourself is is up to with uh, maybe some vegan meal ideas for this weekend, great great game time. I think eight forty five on a Saturday night. That is that is a good football time. Before we get into all that, uh, bomber hero doesn't even need to be an unsung hero anymore because we've gone through a, a number of guys who maybe were unsung. But uh, give us a bomber hero that you took away from the banjo bowl in the bombers last win. I mean, I'd, I'd, it's got to be Nick Dempsey, right? It's got to be. See, I have a different player in mind, so <laughs> I'm interested. Want, uh, sorry, are we going offense or defense here? You could go either way. I have an okay. offensive player in mind that I think it deserves a whole lot of love. But uh, it, tell us more about well, Nick Dempsey and what you loved about him and, and why he's the, your bomber hero this week. Well, Nick Dempsey, he... One okay, so Nick Dempsey is just a great guy in general, but he uh, he doesn't get that much love around the league, or like you never you never really hear him mentioned on TSN. And you know, I know we're not talking unsung heroes, but he kind of is an unsung hero. Like he local kid, he runs like a four three. He basically has the potential to be in the NFL if he was born there, um, and he just he just lights out. He just runs away from guys and. Um, and I, I, I'm thinking your your hero is probably Sean McGuire, whom I also love. Sean was my uh, my room uh, my road roommate the last year on the league, uh, but I you know I I also I love Nick too. So uh, um, you know I, I love to hear what you have to say. 
Well, I, I think you, you nailed it with Nick because, like, the guy is like a deer. Like, he would beat some forest animals in a foot race. Five catches, exactly. 134 yards, and, and he makes everybody else good around him because teams need to be aware of him. And whether he gets the, that respect or not, teams know how good he is, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. But, yes, Sean McGuire is my bomber hero. You nailed it. Uh, anybody that can come in in those situations, in that kind of pressure atmosphere, and do what he does, the backup quarterback, I think, shows how important that position really is. And I think he was just lights out when he was called upon. 100%. That guy, uh, like I said, he was you know he was my road roommate uh, in 2019. And just, just an animal. Just... He he was so perfect. He was so young. He went, you know, he was one of those. He went to, to university, uh, graduated, got into the CFL, and uh, you know, he, he's extremely young, uh, but just so professional from the start. Just like a true pro, uh, right from the get go. He just he he became the he became the um, you know he held the ball for the uh, field goals in his first year in 2019. It's an extremely high pressure uh, like situation to not screw that up, especially with Justin Medlock. So um, you just an absolute pro from the get go, and I think everyone was was really surprised with him in 2019. Um, and I, I was actually talking to Thomas Miles about it. He is going to be a very good CFL quarterback, and I think um, we're going to start hearing his name a lot more in the coming years. It's uh. To me, it's the mental side of being a backup quarterback, which intrigues me the most because he's a guy that would have been highly touted, you know, ever since he picked up a football. And I'm sure he had big NFL dreams. And you know, you you want to be the starter, you want to be the man. You go through college and and all of that, and then you end up as a backup in the CFL. To to have the proper mindset and to be emotionally mature enough to handle that role, I think says a lot about him as a person. And again, an aspect of being a backup quarterback or any player that comes in, because a lot of you are highly touted and then maybe plugged into different roles. I don't think the mental maturity of, of professional athletes gets maybe talked about or, or enough love. And I, I'll use Sean McGuire as the example. Just, you know, going from being the top end, the man, to just part of the machine. How is that for guys, and you know how do how do quarterbacks maybe specifically deal with that? You know what? That's, it's it's such a good point. It's it's difficult. You know, I, and that's something even I you know even I struggle with. You know, I won one in my fifth year of university. I won the president's trophy. I was you know the best defensive player in Canada. I came into camp with the Blue Bombers, and I wasn't good anymore. <laughs> I wasn't the best in Canada anymore. All of a sudden, uh, you know, it, it's a transition. It's it's very difficult, and. It's, and uh, it's very difficult for a lot of players, um, and that's why you know ultimately a lot of them end up not being in a league is because they're unable to make that transition to um, being a potential secondary player for the time being. Because a lot of the times, you know, those situations are temporary. You know, you're, you're getting your feet wet, you're kind of learning, and then in the coming years, it's when you start. Uh, but a lot of guys aren't aren't able to make that transition, and and one thing I found very uh, beneficial for myself, and I know it was beneficial for Sean as well, uh, was having a mentor. And and it, it can't be understated the importance of you know having a mentor. And this you know this is this is more than just football too. That you know that that transcends to life. 
Um, and it speaks to how good the, you know, the, the Blue Bombers locker room is because, you know, you hear about other teams and, and, and things like that where nobody talks to each other, guys are, you know, just in it for themselves, gunning for each other's jobs and things like that. You know, when Sean McGuire, uh, and say what you will about Matt Nichols, I love Matt Nichols. That guy was a true pro. And for, you know, Chris Trevler and Sean McGuire to both be able to learn from a true pro like Matt, uh, I think was invaluable. And, you know, uh, I was able to learn from Mike Miller, uh, a Hall of Fame uh, special teams player and fullback. You know what I mean? Like having those kind of role models that want to help out the younger generation uh, is, is absolutely invaluable. And, and, you know, being a part of a team that ha- has that mentality, being being like, I'm going to make the younger guys better because it's going to make the team better is paramount because, it only hurts the team if Sean McGuire is not mentally prepared to go in there. Sean McGuire is not mentally prepared to go in there, and he doesn't get those touchdowns. It hurts the team, not you know Zach Caleros or Matt Nichols, right? It, it hurts everyone. So um, you know, having those men- uh, those mentors and that team mentality is is so important, uh, which is you know obviously what the Blue Bombers do, but what you see a lot of other teams don't do. John, uh, I'm really interested as we get ready to tee up uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers versus the Edmonton Elks. Uh, maybe you take Edmonton's record with uh, a little grain of salt. They're two and three through their first five. Uh, Winnipeg's five and one, coming off that big emotional back-to-back win in Labor Day and then at the Banjo Bowl. How do the Bombers avoid an emotional step back and not treating the Elks, you know, uh, with, with the lack of respect? Let's say, how do Win- how does Winnipeg? need to balance playing not in a banjo bowl situation, not against a rival, but against a talented football team? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. It's, it's one that, you know, it, it's that classic uh, NCAA trap game, right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, the, it's the classic, oh, you just, you know, you just blew out a team or it's a big game, then the next week it's just some, some other team, right? So you don't prepare as hard. Uh, and that's kind of exactly it, right? You, you have to treat it. Like, it is the Banjo Bowl. And this is something, you know, we talked about when I played in college. Every week was your Vanier Cup. Every single week, you prepare the exact same way as if you're preparing for the Vanier Cup for two reasons. One, so you're always prepared. Like, you're always preparing to the best of your abilities. But two, when you actually make it to the Vanier Cup, you don't have to change anything. So, you know, obviously, you know, obviously that's easier said than done. Emotions run high and, and play a huge factor into it and things like that. But that's, you know, that if the, the Bombers want to continue this role, continue, you know, we talked about momentum before, that's, that's what they need to do. They, they need to not get too high uh, in order to, you know, start just believing they're the best. And you know, obviously right now they are. But once you start believing the hype is when, you know, that's kind of the beginning of the end, right? Yeah, and then just looking at uh, the numbers, and again, the numbers don't tell the whole whole tale. But uh, Edmonton, they're good on the ground. They're averaging, uh, you know, 103 yards per game. James Wilder Jr.'s uh, over 400 rushing yards. Passing yards, they're almost at 300. Trevor Harris is almost at 1500 yards. Uh, Darrell Walker's at over 330 yards already this year. Uh, you know, they, they've got some offensive weapons. So if you're Winnipeg, are you concerned? about your offense or your defense heading into this game versus Edmonton? And which one do you think is going to make the bigger difference, offense or defense? 
I think the defense has the potential to screw it up bigger. <laughs> and, and you never want to look at it in like a negative sense like that. But it's the defense. It's the Winnipeg Blue Bombers' defense's game to lose. Um, they, uh, you know, obviously they've been playing lights out. Obviously they're, you know, they're very good. They have, you know, uh, as we, you know, talked about a lot of extremely talented football players. But like you just mentioned, so does Edmonton mm-hmm. on offense. They like James Wilder Jr. Say what you will about you know his personality. He's good at football. Like he is like he is good at football. Trevor Harris, unbelievably good quarterback. You know <laughs> Darrell Walker, very good receiver. Like they they obviously uh, need to prepare for these players. They like they, they are a very good football team. So you know when I say it's the Blue Bombers defense's game to lose. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of exactly that. Is if they show up like they have been, uh, they prepare like they have been, uh, they take care of business like they have been. They, you know, it it's blue bombers all day. But uh, if they, you know, if they start kind of believing their own hype, um, the, the the Elks will will expose them. You know what I mean? It's Trevor Harris, like I said, very good quarterback. He will expose you if you let him. You know, he's averaging 300 yards a game. That's a that's a good quarterback like that's exactly what you want in a quarterback James Wilder Jr. is averaging 103 a game that's amazing so that um you know they will expose you if you don't prepare properly so um I'm not worried about it I wouldn't say but it is the Blue Bombers defense game to lose now I'm, I'm interested in the offensive side and you brought up a bit of your hockey background earlier uh, sometimes when you go into games as a hockey player, you're thinking it's point night. You're thinking, Kate, two goals, two assists, we're going to you know, have our way offensively. The Bombers could be looking at the Elks defense in a similar fashion. They give up uh, you know, almost 23 points a game. They allow a lot of yards, especially through the air. And uh, you know, Caleros maybe won't feel as much pressure as he did uh, the last couple of weeks. If you're Winnipeg, how do you get out of that mindset where you want to hit the home run, your receivers, you want to have guys going for 100-plus yards? How do you stay within a system even though the opportunity to blow the doors off a defense is staring you in the face? That's you know that's actually a really great question. It, it it's so difficult to do. It's so difficult not to focus on that. Um, it it's something I think a lot of athletes uh, struggle with uh, mentally. And you know, and and I kind of look back on on my career both in hockey and football, and you kind of you kind of think back to those games where like you're like, oh man, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill it this game. This defense sucks. I'm gonna you know I'm gonna score five goals or I'm gonna you know, I'm going to get, you know, two interceptions, you know, all, all that stuff. Um, and then you kind of go in and you have a mediocre game. You know, the amount of times that has happened to me, is, you know, is a lot more than me thinking that and then actually going out and doing it. Because when, like I said before, when you start believing your own hype, is, that's when you kind of get into that mindset where you don't prepare properly, you kind of, you, you don't do the things necessary to get that 100-yard game to get those two interceptions, to score those five goals, you know, you, you, you kind of start just doing whatever you want and not trusting the process. So, uh, it, you know, it, it really, it's really important for those Blue Bomber players to uh, not believe the hype. <laughs> like that, and, you know, I talk about it a lot, and, and it's, something, you know, it's something that is talked about in the locker room a lot, is, you know, don't, don't listen to the noise. You know, everything else, you know, the media, the fans, everything else is just noise. All of that is noise that you need to block out 
and you just need to focus on what you're doing. And obviously, it's it's so much easier to say than to actually do it. But it's something that you know, if if, the, if they want to continue this role, that's that's something they need to focus on. Coming up, we still got the prediction. We've got to get uh, some menu ideas for a late Saturday night game. I'm sure you've got uh, some pretty good snack ideas. But uh, which player do you expect to ha- or or hope at least has a big game versus uh, Edmonton? Which player do you think is going to be the bomber hero for next week? There's you know <laughs> there's there's so many, uh, but I you know I especially against uh, uh, an offense like this. Uh, I'm really expecting a lot from our defense here, and you know, I, I you know, I, I talk about how it's the defense's uh, game to lose and everything like that. But I have, you know, I have full faith in them to prepare accordingly and and kind of and kind of do the things necessary. And I, I'm I'm really looking at uh, BA here, Brandon Alexander. He is he's a pretty underrated player. He's unbelievably talented. And I think he's going to do very well, especially against the pass-heavy offense like the Elks. So I'm, I'm excited to watch him and what he has to do this game. Really exciting to see if, if uh, that translates, because you've gotten pretty good with the predictions, which we're going to get in a little bit. So now I'm interested. We're going to start putting some people and predictions in and, and see how that goes. Uh, time now for Doggy Diaries. Uh, John, your, uh, your dogs, of course, are, are some of the most popular uh, posts that you have on your social media between uh, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, what have your dogs been up to, and do you have a story you maybe want to share about Boner Bailey? Yeah, no, for sure. They they have been big chilling. They are, <laughs> they are just they are lounging and living the dream right now. Um, just you know, enjoying the good life of me being home, which is which is great because they just you know now now they're getting a lot more accustomed to me being home. So Bailey, uh, Bailey is more being like, okay, let's go do something. So it, it's kind of great. The other day I was able to, on my lunch break, just walk into my backyard, uh, and me and Bailey played, uh, played, some, played some tennis and, and some fetch and stuff like that, and Bowen just sat on, the, sat on the deck and watched us because he's lazy, which, you know, <laughs> I don't really blame him for. So <laughs> No, living the dream, those dogs, eh? Oh, yeah. They're just they're literally living the dream. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun to watch them, that's for sure. 8.45 uh, Central Time for this game coming up on Saturday night. Before we get into your, uh, into your, di- or, sorry, into your uh, cooking suggestion, uh, l- waiting around, do, do you as a player, or do players prefer games be earlier in the afternoon, or, or how do you feel about kind of waiting all day for a game like the, the Bombers will have to do Saturday? It's the worst. Oh, I bet. Absolute worst. And the, hard, the hardest one, and it's something that's always grinded my gears about the CFL, is the 9 p.m. Uh, BC games for two reasons. So you're going back two hours. So technically 9 p.m. is 11 p.m. for you, right? Yeah. So you have to wait until 11 p.m. to play a game that's three to four hours long. So by the end of the game, it's you know technically two or three in the morning for you. Like there's no way you can, you know, there's no way your body is in peak physical shape after that. It's it's just not right and. But not to mention, you know, the CFL always always goes on about, you know, viewership and things like that. And I'm like, man, my parents live in Ontario, and they don't even stay up to watch that game <laughs> because it's midnight for them. It'd be, it'd be 3 or 4 in the morning for them when it's over. Like, why are we scheduling games this late? Not even from, you know, a player energy or player kind of perspective. 
but just from a simple viewership standpoint, it, it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't add up, but um, sorry, I, I, that's, you know, that's my, that's my rant about that. But uh, it, you know, it's not ideal. It's not ideal to have to wait around for those night games. Uh, a lot of guys, you know, get into routines where, where they'll like not midday. Um, but it's, you know, it's all about basically kind of like la- trying to lounge around for as much as you can to conserve as much energy as you can uh, until those late games. And, it's tough. It's you know those those late games are tough. You're trying to like time up lunches and dinners and and it you know it, I most guys would much rather play you know like a 3 p.m. game. It you get in, you get it over with. You still you know you can still go to bed at a decent time, not 5 a.m. or something like that. So uh, yeah, the the mid the mid afternoon games are, are a definite player choice. <laughs> Don't ever apologize about a rant. We always encourage you to rant here, John. That's that's part of your charm is, is when you get ranting. Eight forty-five Saturday night. What kind of meal are you going to be putting together? Uh, whether it's uh, you know for a vegan like yourself or a non-vegan like myself, what would you be a uh, suggestion for Saturday night? You know what? It's it's eight forty-five. That's that's kind of after dinner time. You know what I mean? I, I've I've already eaten uh, at that point. Uh, you know, I've already eaten several meals at that point, actually. So, uh, you know, we're we're kind of wading into dessert territory at this point. So, um, I'm I'm actually thinking I'm going to have brownies and vanilla ice cream uh, from uh, there's a there's PC. Um, you know, the President's Choice brand has vanilla ice cream. That's very good. That's a vegan. Uh, it's a vegan ice cream. It's very good. It's actually one of the better ones in the market. So I think I'm going to make some uh, chocolate brownies and put some vanilla ice cream on top and enjoy some football on a Saturday night. I cannot wait for next week when we get the story of how Bone and Bailey have tricked you and end up eating all your brownies yep. and ice cream and, and yep. you got nothing. Yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, John, before we let you go, as always, we got to get a score prediction again. I know you want to be a Winnipeg influencer, but you might end up being a fortune teller at this point. And if you have any insight on the lotto numbers, I think it's $55 million. I'll cut you in, buddy, I swear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, do you, you what do you think uh, the outcome for Winnipeg-Edmonton Saturday night? You know what? This is going to be an interesting game for a couple of reasons. Um, mainly because it's you know it's their second away game of the year, and the you know the first one um, didn't do so hot. So I'm I'm interested to see how or what they do to change coming out flat, because that'll be you know that'll be a huge determinant in how this game goes. You know. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I'm still, you know, I almost want to take the Elks for that reason, but you know, I, I still have to go with Winnipeg. I think I would lose my my aspiring Winnipeg influencer status if I didn't. So uh, I'm going to go with Winnipeg, and I think it's going to be I think it's going to be a pretty high scoring game. I think the I think Winnipeg wins it 37 to 27. Wow. Yeah, so you're thinking think, you're thinking straight up shootout for most of the yeah, game. I think I think so, and I think it I think it's going to come down to a couple of either turnovers or you know huge stops on the defense by by the Blue Bombers to really win this game. I think that's what it's really going to come down to because you know, like we said, inevitably, you know, the Elks are getting paid, and Trevor Harris is a good quarterback. Wilder Junior is a good running back. They're going to score points. It's you know it's inevitable. It's it's part of the game. Uh, they're getting paid to to score those points. 
Um, but it's really going to come down to, you know, the defense stepping up in those key situations to win them that game. I think fans and offensive players would agree that high-scoring games are awesome. You love to see them. Coaches and defensive players would probably say that that's the worst, is, is you'd want to grind it out, low-scoring battle. But uh, you're saying the fans are in for a treat come Saturday night. And you know what? Uh, it's it's going to be a good game either way, John. We always appreciate you taking the time. Uh, really looking forward to next week because the Bombers are on a bye. And I know I've always wondered as a fan, what do players get up to? How much interaction do you have with your coaches during a bye week? Do you get to go home? How much practice time? So I'm really looking forward to the bye week edition of Bombs Away next week. And uh, I, as always, thank you very much for doing this. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm super excited for the game this week and chat next week. It'll be a lot of fun. The Country 107 Morning Show with Dave Anthony. Weekday mornings only on Country 107.